Welcome to the In The Scope podcast, new perspectives in the scope of different lenses. I am your host, Joshua M. Hicks. Make sure to subscribe to War on Anchor, the home of the In The Scope podcast, on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the TuneIn app. And also, make sure to check out the War Media site at weareregalradio.com to get all the hottest and latest content on all things sports. Again, this is Joshua M. Hicks, and welcome to the In The Scope Podcast. Hope you enjoy the We'll bring you down. We've got to stop and look around. Look around. Look Podcast with your boy Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer for War Media. And I got a special friend and a special guest of mine returning onto the show um, because he's just a college sports guru. I mean, this is what he does. <laughs> but um, you know, with March Madness and everything going on, I'm glad to have this guy come back on come back on my show to talk about the in-depthness of you know the tournament as a whole, especially his with his coverage, because he's covered the conference USA tournament, which was you know part of the part of the March Madness frenzy. Um, so everybody giving up for my guy, Stadium, Big Ten Network, you name it. Play-by-play announcer, Chris Vosters. Chris, how you doing, man? What's up, Josh? It's great to be on your show again. Really appreciate the invite. Um, I, I'm definitely a college sports junkie. Uh, guru, I guess, is a little bit nicer way to put it, perhaps. But I know the first time I was on your show, I wore the socks hat. So with opening day, you know, about a week or so away, I figured I'd, I'd, I'd bring that back. I don't really have you know, much game when it comes to hats for college teams. So <laughs> I, I figured I'd keep it continuous with the Sox. But but yeah, you're definitely right. College sports is is for sure my thing. Yeah, I feel you, man. Because, so, yes, the Sox got a really big year this year. They made the playoffs last year. So they've been improving. They got a new, you know, they got the new veteran manager in La Russa. Uh, so we get a second second stint back in the, in the city. But y'all off to a little bit of a rough start. Eloy just got hurt. So I don't know what, I don't know what y'all going to do with that. <laughs> Because, you know, he's out the, he got hurt robbing home runs and stuff. So, I, yeah, I don't know what to do with that one, bro. Still, since it's still spring training, I mean, the glass is always half full. Like, you're, you're always optimistic until at least opening day. But uh, no question. I mean, I've just enjoyed seeing, like, walking around Chicago for the first time since I moved here. I mean, I legitimately see more people wearing socks hats and socks gear than I ever did before. I mean, I'm not even saying it's, like, equal to the Cubs, but – um, it's cool. Like I definitely think there, there's a buzz in the city going into going into sock season for sure. Yeah, the South Side has a lot to be excited for uh, this year. We talk about the progression that they made with this young group, and hopefully, you know, bringing in a guy like Tony La Russa would be, you know, even though he's been out, he's been out of the league for a little bit, he may be out, and he's a little, maybe a little out of touch. Um, but hey, we'll just see how things go because. It seems like, you know, he's off to a good start with building with his players, especially Tim Anderson, who was my, one of my favorite guys to watch. Um, yes. So long as they good, and I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure the team will follow. And I hope to see – and I really do hope to see the Sox do well this year. I want to see them back in the playoffs and make a deep run. So 
I'm really hoping. I, I think it's one of those things where, you know, when, when the Sox are good, it's better for the whole city. I mean, I, I know that, that a lot of people pick one or the other when it comes to Cubs Sox, but I think when, I think when the Sox are good, it's better for the whole city. And, and when both teams are good, you know, I, I think that's even maybe even the greatest outcome. So it's a long season though. We, we all know that. So not, not trying to get too look too far down the road or anything like that. Yeah, most definitely, man. We'll just see how things go. Chicago, especially now with the pandemic slowly but surely opening up, people getting more vaccinated, sporting events, you know, slowly but surely coming back with fans, or at least, you know, in a limited fashion. Hopefully we can leave, we can, we can relive some of those great memories that we've had, you got to experience for years, especially when it comes to baseball, because summertime and baseball, it's definitely a good combination to have, especially as a fan when you go to the games. Yes, but, sir. Yeah, but but... Uh, aside from this White Sox talk, because obviously we're not, I'm not a baseball guru or a guy or anything like that. I'm just a fan of the, a fan of the game. But, you know, we, we let's talk about what we really came here to talk about, which is college sports, college basketball, March Madness. Um, and your experience, because you said, because you covered, you was in Texas covering on the Conference USA tournament in Dallas. Uh, you was in Jerry, Jerry Jones' world, having fun, you know, covering those, covering those uh, games and those championships. So talk about what was it like to actually be in that vicinity, especially since, you know, this was in Texas. So I, so I personally assumed that there was some type of fans, um, a little limited fan here and there, just because, you know, Texas has pretty, been pretty much open since the pandemic even happened. They didn't really shut down for anything. So, you know, what was it like to cover, uh, cover those games in, the, in that vicinity and how it related to the pandemic from previous years that you covered, you know, covering college sports? Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, it, it was an exhilarating experience for sure. And and just to you know catch people up, um, I kind of had my my feet in two conferences this year in particular when it came to the to the work that I do as a as a play by play broadcaster. I, I did a lot of work with the Big Ten Conference, which is obviously up here in the Midwest. Big Ten Network studios are located right here in Chicago, um, but then the network called Stadium, which is actually headquartered in the United Center picked up a conference USA basketball package that they threw my way this year. And so that was a great experience for me also. And especially when the opportunity came along to cover the conference USA tournament and be on site for it. A lot of the big 10 games that I covered this year, I was remote. I was just in a studio in Chicago watching the games on a monitor, like, like you would as a fan at home. So, um, you know, there was definitely, I suppose there was a degree of uncertainty, just wondering like how, how it would go being in person and all of that. But the event was run really, really smoothly. And from a COVID security standpoint, things were really locked tight. I had to get tested every day as a, as a credentialed media member. And they did allow limited capacity fans into the stands. You're right now, from what I was able to tell, the overwhelming majority of, of fans that were in there were, were friends and family of the players on the teams, but conference USA, th th this was a 12 team tournament. So you had, you know, between the family and friends of both the men's and women's teams that were there, men's and women's bracket was played in the same facility. So you basically had 24 teams represented there. Um, it wasn't packed by any means, but there was definitely a good crowd at, to the point where you noticed a fan environment in close games late, there was cheering, there was jeering sometimes like it, it was really, really cool. But I thought that it was really handled really well, um, safely and securely. Uh, you, you had to wear masks, of course, when, when you were in there and the, 
this, this was not an easy job, but the in-stadium personnel was doing a really good job just making sure that people were wearing masks properly. So it was like, I, I think maybe a week or two before I went down there, Texas lifted its mask mandate. So there was definitely a question of like, okay, how, how is, what's the culture going to be like down here? But the, you know, while, while, you know, the governor or the government of Texas lifted the mask mandate, it's still up to individual businesses, whether it be hotels or restaurants or whatever the case may be to still institute or, or enforce a mask mandate if they want to. So basically every place I was, you know, the hotel and, and the arena and things like that, you still had to wear a mask. So, um, you know, it certainly didn't feel like the wild, wild west or anything like that. But um, one thing that actually was pretty cool is like a side note. So you mentioned Jerry World, like AT&T Stadium where the Cowboys play in Dallas. The Conference USA tournament actually took place at this facility called the Star, which is where the Cowboys practice. So in a way, it was kind of Jerry World light. But we were down there the week that Dak Prescott actually signed his contract extension. And sure enough, the next day, this was probably just coincidence, but we saw him working out at the practice facility there. No boot or anything like that. He was going through some drills. His ankle looked great. So it was pretty cool. It, it was just an awesome venue. And I would encourage anybody, if you're ever down in Dallas, go up to Frisco and take a tour of the star. It's like really its own kind of entertainment district. There's a hotel, lots of restaurants and shops, great Cowboys history there in particular. And, and it was a really great venue to host a basketball tournament. Yeah, I remember my, when I was younger, I want to say I was graduating high school, maybe. I think I graduated high school, going, getting ready to go to college my freshman year. And my family had a family reunion in Dallas and we had a tour of Cowboy Stadium when it was like when I think when it first really came out but I think it opened I want to say like in 2011 or something like that um, yeah yeah the reunion was in 2012 so it was fairly new when we got a family tour of the whole entire stadium and that stadium is ridiculous it's 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 off the charts so for me to be able it, to is. See that, it is yeah so for me to be able to see that and then go from there I can't I didn't get a chance to see the star per se but you know it was it was right next door we didn't get a chance to get a tour of that but I can believe when you say, you know, it's it, it just the star itself is probably its own entertainment realm. Yeah, that ain't no joke because Jerry Jones goes big or go home. And he, and you can tell by the way he does his work, man. You can tell. As well, I mean, say, the, say what you want about how he runs his football team. But, I mean, the guy knows how to, like, create and, and market entertainment. So he's, he's, a, he's a good businessman for what it's worth. Yeah, he yeah he definitely, <laughs> he definitely is. If I could take any notes, it would definitely probably be from, from some from him. But the overall, um, the overall results of the actual tournament, yeah, you you made a bet to me saying that you thought uh, Western Kentucky was going to win, and uh, that didn't quite happen. <laughs> All right, man. Like, I'll, I'll I guess I'll, I'll buy you coffee or lunch or, or whatever you want. <laughs> I, I was hoping, I was hoping, I didn't want to say anything, but I was hoping, man. I hope Josh didn't write down what I said about about the about the <laughs> results of the tournament. But hey, at least give me give me some credit for at least kind of getting the matchup right like it was western kentucky north texas close. in the final so yeah i, I, I was giving that you were very close you were very and close. listen i i did want to talk to you about this uh western kentucky specifically because i i know that you know you cover the nba and and are especially involved in the draft and the draft combine and, and western kentucky the reason why i picked western kentucky to to be the conference usa representative in the tournament was because they got a bona fide lottery pick on their team i think this seven foot big man named charles bassey 
conference player of the conference defensive player of the year, but really profiles like the modern NBA big man. This dude's seven foot, an enforcer at the rim, but he can absolutely step out and, and can a three pointer too. So he's got some talent that I think really translates to the next level. So that's why I, I pick Western Kentucky, but I mean, credit North Texas. I mean, they locked him up in the conference tournament championship and then they upset Purdue 13 over the four in the NCAA tournament. And I'm telling you, man, like, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Like there's always maybe a, a 13 over a four. That's kind of a sexy upset pick every year. I don't think anybody that I talked to had North Texas over Purdue in that matchup. So, I mean, credit to the mean green. Yeah, most definitely. They screwed my, they helped screw my bracket over. So, <laughs> so I, so I, I had Purdue, you know, winning that, winning that game, but yet, man, they took that, they really did their, they really did their thing and, and really lived, that Cinderella story when you talk about March Madness and what it stood up for. And March Madness overall yes. as a whole has really lived up to its expectations. Like, you obviously, you you helped cover the Big Ten. You of I let me down so bad. Um, Ohio State let me down so bad. I had you of I, I had three Big Ten teams going to the Final Four, and two of them are gone. So, like, March Madness really lived up to the expectations. Since, you, since you've covered the Big Ten, and the college games that, you know, all throughout the year. What was it like to watch these games and really watch these Cinderella teams really just take the breath out of the majority of what the country wanted when it came to this March Madness tournament? Man, it, it was hard. Like, it's like I, I'm, a, I'm a Big Ten guy at heart. I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Wisconsin. I went to the University of Wisconsin. So I'm really all about the Big Ten. And Look, like I drank the Kool-Aid like just about everybody else in college basketball this year when it came to the Big Ten being the best conference in college basketball and they put the most teams in the tournament. And you were not an outlier by putting three Big Ten teams in the final four the way you did. A lot of people that I talked to had at least two Big Ten teams in their final four bracket. So it was like I remember the first kind of domino to fall in the tournament was when Oral Roberts came out and beat Ohio state. And it was like, you know, what, like, are, are you serious? And as it turned out, that was really a warning sign of things to come related to the big 10 spade in the tournament. And, and I think part of the problem is, was, was just kind of the, this COVID-19 related season. I think it really disoriented a lot of people when it came to figuring out the pecking order and, and who was really, the, the greatest conference this year in college basketball or who had the most depth and talent. And there was a non-conference season in college basketball this year, but it was much shorter and much more condensed. And I don't think it gave a lot of people who cover college basketball the chance to truly compare, okay, how does the big 10 stack up to the big 12 or how does the PAC 12 compare to the ACC? Where does the SEC and the big East fit into all of this? So I think unfortunately what happened was, like at the beginning of the season, a narrative just took hold that the big 10 was the best conference and no one was really able to question that or put together much of a counter argument until the NCAA tournament rolled around. And in hindsight, now it looks like a lot of these big 10 teams were, were overseeded because of the way that they just dropped like flies in the, in the first two rounds. And now it's, it's the sweet 16 and the big 10's only got one team left and that's Michigan. Yeah, that's actually, that's a very good point. And because when you talk about the non-conference schedule, um, maybe, maybe this doesn't necessarily apply to the Big Ten per se, but when you talk about maybe the ACC, 
you know, Duke was one of those schools where they had they pretty much eliminated their whole non-conference schedule because of COVID. And they just focused on playing against either really local teams that were non-conference or just the ACC teams. And you see how that affected them in their season. Um, it's, I think that actually plays a really good role and a good point that not many people uh, have discussed or talked about. The fact that, you know, playing non-conference, which at the end of the day, even though it's good to play conference teams, if you play some good non-conference schedules, that boosts your, prepare, your preparedness for the late, later end points of the season. You know, in the Big Ten, you know, that you, don't, you didn't get necessarily to get a lot of that. But at the same time, the Big Ten is such a powerful conference. I think just them battling each other out for so long, it kind of just drained them. <laughs> I, I think that's a great point. I, I think conference attrition is, is absolutely real. And I, I think, you know, the, the term that I heard sometimes is that, oh, the Big Ten cannibalized itself. You know, they just, they played each other so much that, you know, they had to play quad one teams or top 25 teams on such a regular basis that, and then you throw in the Big Ten conference tournament right before the start of March Madness. I, I think, yeah, I think you can make an argument there that maybe the conference was just beat up or, or worn out or whatever the case may be. There is one point that I do want to make specifically about Illinois, though, and that's related to their draw. And look, I believe that Illinois was the national championship contending team. I mean, between Io DeSumo and, and Kofi Coburn, that's just a fantastic team. And I still believe that even though they got bounced in the second round. But that's a that's a tough draw, even for a number one seed to have to play a team like Loyola Chicago in the second round. And, and there were people albeit few and far between that raised some warning flags when the bracket was unveiled about that matchup, because Loyola Chicago had a, had a, you know, we were just talking about non-conference schedule. Well, they actually played some legit non-conference teams. And if you look at college basketball, saber metrics in particular, things like Ken Palm rankings, which take into account who you play, when you play them metrics, like, offensive efficiency, defense efficiency, how much points, how many points you score per, per X number of possessions, things like that. They had Loyola Chicago as a top 10 team in the country, according to a lot of advanced Saber metrics. So some people really thought that for a number one seed to have to play an eight seed in the second round, like Loyola Chicago, Loyola Chicago really should have been seated higher than they were. And or I guess, you know, lower, uh, however you want to look at it. But um, so that was a really tough, a really tough shake for Illinois, I think, to have to draw Illinois Chicago in the in the second or Loyola Chicago in the second round like that. But again, if you really are a national championship contending team, you got You got to find a way to to clear that matchup. Everybody listening right now, you're listening to Chris Bosters to continue on with that discussion, though. I also think it was, it was very intriguing because of the fact that Loyola itself, that specific roster that's there, they had returners from the Cinderella team that took them to the Final Four. So they had extra, extra experience with that postseason experience of what it really, truly, really, really took to get to that next level and to carry that on throughout this year. I think that's just an extra level of preparedness that quite frankly, not a lot of teams were, were, you know, unfortunate to have when you play against a number one team like U of I. So I think that's also uh, true that it, re it revives the statement of the, 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 the actual, I think a common thread or theme of this actual conference of March Madness is that the, the three-year, four-year players staying in college and really developing the game really took advantage of, of the one-and-dones 
that normally will be will be in these type of positions. Because if you talk about one and done schools nowadays, Duke wasn't in there, Kentucky wasn't in there, you know, um, Kansas was in there but got knocked off early, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like you have these schools that are used to getting top tier talents and are one and done athletes. That none of them, not many of them, were in this tournament, and this, and overall, this tournament was mainly predominantly, three, you know, three year, four year players that have experience and engraved experience in the college game. So where this game, the competitive wise, was at a level that, quite frankly, is quite high considering the pandemic and the situation that we went through through college basketball. Uh, and I and I track one hundred percent with with everything you just said there, and and that was something that that we heard from coaches from the start of the season that, that the teams this year in particular with everything that was unique about this year related to COVID the teams that were going to be positioned best for postseason and, and long-term success were the teams that returned a lot of players from previous seasons. And, and so I think that absolutely is a big part of the reason why a squad like Loyola Chicago is having another good run like this, because the off season was so jacked up for all these teams and, and everybody, you know, college athletics, and I guess pro athletics is like this as well. Pro sports are like this as well, but, but these athletes are very routine oriented and there was nothing that resembled a routine about the off season. Some schools were shut down over the summer. Some schools were shut down in the fall. Some schools didn't start practicing for their basketball season until a week or two before the season ultimately started around Thanksgiving in November. So a lot of teams were kind of putting together pieces on the fly. And I think that it was maybe harder for the casual fan to notice this because everyone, every team was in the same boat as far as being a finished product by the time the season started relative to practice schedules. But a lot of coaches were of the opinion that, that collectively the level of play in, in college basketball this year was not as good as it would be in a normal year when teams have an off season to iron out some kinks that they just didn't have going into this season. So hopefully for next year, we can kind of get back on track. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to get into a debate about whether the one and done system of college basketball is better than the, than the programs that develop talent over three or four years. I mean, I, I think there are merits pros and cons to both systems, but um, you know, when it comes to these blue bloods like Kentucky and Duke that, that just couldn't get it going this year, I, I think you'll start to see that balance kind of level out next season when programs like that have a normal summer, a normal fall preseason to just kind of get their young players up to speed. Yeah, that, that's, that's definitely a good point. And like I said, we'll just see how that goes for the next for next year uh, when it comes to those top tier programs that just didn't make the tournament this year. Um, hopefully, because we all know, even though we love March Madness, it's always better when you got the Dukes and the Kentuckys and those and those big boys in there. So we'll definitely, you know, look forward to seeing them probably, you know, back in the saddle next next year. But still, this yeah. year, it's been upset upset central. When you talk about all the teams that have busted tons of brackets, but Loyola probably being the biggest one because a lot of people, a lot of people, including me, had U of I going to the Final Four or even winning the tournament. Um, but you had all types of upset, upsets. You had Ohio that beat Creighton. Yeah. You had, like you mentioned, you mentioned Oral Roberts making their crazy run. Um, Florida got Abilene Christian battle. over Texas. Yep, Abilene Christian over Texas. Utah State beat Texas Tech. North Texas, you know, beating Purdue. Uh, it's it's upset central literally all over the place. 
Oh, oh, oh not even not to mention Oregon State. They beat Tennessee. Um, mm-hmm. Syracuse, Syracuse uh, re- rebounded. You know, they rebounded. Yes. And Buddy Bayhound's been going crazy <laughs> from, from crazy from three. So it's like, what, what was your, what was from you watching March Madness? What was your biggest surprise out of all the upsets? Gosh. Um, well, you know, starting with the last point you made about Syracuse, you know, Syracuse got a lot of shade when the bracket came out that they shouldn't even have been in the tournament to begin with. And I think, um, you know, so to see an 11 seed in Syracuse making a run into the Sweet 16 like this, I, I think is definitely one surprise for me. I think collectively, I'll go back to what we were talking about before. It's been really surprising and frankly disappointing for me to see the Big Ten struggle as much as they have. And I think on the flip side of that, a surprise for me too is, is how well the Pac-12 has done, putting four teams in the Sweet 16. And, you know, everyone talks about East Coast bias in college sports and how, you know, the Pac-12, because they play on the West Coast, those games are on later, fewer people see them, they get less love because of that. But if you look at what they've done, you know, they fired the first blow in the, in the play-in games when UCLA beat Michigan State. I mean, that was, looking back on it, that was kind of the first sign that, okay, maybe things aren't going to go the way people expect here because Michigan State had been playing its best basketball of the season going into the tournament. UCLA was not really looking like they were firing on all cylinders, and the Bruins came out, straight up won that game. And lo and behold, you know, there's, there's an, another 11 seed in the, in the Sweet 16. So you look at UCLA, 11 seed, Sweet 16, Oregon State, 12 seed, Sweet 16, um, USC, 6 seed, Sweet 16, and Oregon, 7 seed, Sweet 16. So the four Pac-12 teams that are in the Sweet 16 are 6 seed and, and higher. And I think that's that, that to me says two things. One, the Pac-12 was underrated going into the tournament and, and the Big Ten was was overrated going into the tournament. And, and I would say that's pretty surprising to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's very surprising. Um, yeah, I, I just can't believe I just love March Madness. because It's just what can you say? Yeah. Right? It's just that's what, it's what March Madness brings out of us. And you know, this is, and this is why we have the parties and all that stuff. Obviously, you know, there's a pandemic, so you don't want to do get too crazy with any of that stuff. But, you know, the fact that we've even ha- able to have a tournament uh, during a pandemic to still see the greatness of college sports, you know, was an amazing thing. Yes. But um, before I transition, though, who do, who do, who do you think is going to actually win this thing? I mean, obviously, I think now it's going to be a runaway in Gonzaga because Gonzaga is just too good. For their like, they're just, that's like an under. I mean, an undefeated season is pretty much intact. Yeah. Um, you know, especially now that the big players they would probably have to go up against are gone. So I would think you know Gonzaga pretty much has a cakewalk to the to the championship. But you know these under these these upset teams that are creating these upsets, they're not your average upset teams. Like these are actually good quality teams that. They can play with the best of the best. It's not like a surprise anymore. You can look at the talent and be like, no, no, they can they can ball with the best of the best. So who do you think would win the championship this year or at least give a good fight in getting to that championship? I, I think I, I think you said it. I think Gonzaga, 
you've got to, you've, they've got to be your favorite. And, and that's if they weren't before, I mean, Gonzaga was considered even, even with as good as the big 10 looked coming into the tournament, a lot of people still had Gonzaga as their national champion. And so now it, it seems like the road to the final four is even more open. I, I will just say one thing though, looking at this sweet 16 matchup that Gonzaga has against Creighton, you know, Creighton, so Gonzaga scores a ton of points and, and they've run a lot of teams out of the gym, but so can Creighton. I mean, Creighton will hit you with this three-guard lineup. You know, guys like Marcus Zegarowski and Mitch Bollock, these guys can score, and they can run. And if there's a team left for Gonzaga to face in the field that can hang with their tempo, it might very well be Creighton. So I would just keep an eye on the Blue Jays as a team that could potentially upend Gonzaga's cart. But I still think the Bulldogs are favored in that matchup. And if they get past Creighton, then then really, I mean – yeah, I, I don't see a whole lot standing in Gonzaga's way. I would love to see – I'm still rooting for Michigan as a Big Ten guy. You know, I would love to see Michigan get to get to face Gonzaga in the Final Four. That would be a lot of fun. And, I mean, Loyola, Chicago, like, why not? I mean, people, people they, they were everybody's darling Final Four team anyway going into the tournament. They've got a winnable game against Oregon state in the sweet 16. If they get through that, they'll take on the winner of Syracuse Houston. They've got, you know, they're a really trendy pick for the final four now, given how their road has shaped up. So it would be cool to see, to see Gonzaga versus Loyola Chicago in the national championship, simply because you would have a team from uh, the Missouri Valley against a team from the West coast conference and you know, no, no power five. And I think it would in some ways be indicative of the crazy season that, we've had in college basketball this year where, where COVID has just really been a, an equalizer in a lot of ways. It, it's leveled the playing field in a big way. And I think it's given teams like a Loyola Chicago, even more gas to go on a run like this. So, um, but I don't know, man. I mean, you know, there's good, there's good matchups in the sweet 16, you know, no matter where you look. So I'm, I'm just excited for the finish line here for sure. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I'm, like you, I am cheering for Michigan now. I've always had been in a way because, you know, okay. I got I to gotta represent. I got to give a shout out to Juwan Howard, right. Fab Five, right. Chicago, Southside right. native. He made it known in this press conference that y'all from the Southside. Um, right. Put some respect on my name. Yes, put some respect <laughs> on my name. So I, I got to cheer for my guy, Juwan Howard, with everything going on with, you know, Michigan, the Fab Five, how he was able yep. finally to come back to the school and how he's coaching this team in the way they are to get them back to the sweet 16 for the fourth consecutive year. I mean, that, that's something I want to see happen uh, for sure. Um, but at the same time, just like how we mentioned earlier, how, even though you, even though, you know, you, you may be a Sox guy, it's your Chicago guy overall, when it comes to especially about the baseball, it's like that way. It's like that with Loyola for me, of course, I'm not, you know, I wanted you about to win it all, but, you know, that's Chicago, Loyola, Chicago, and they, and sister Jean, you know, <laughs> she, 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 you know, she's got this team in, in a good trajectory and, and mostly the coach, man, what can you say about him? And the fact that he's able to get this team and develop this and really turn this program around to where now they're a legit contender in the Missouri Valley conference, man, that, that's something you just can't help but what to root for. So I, I'm definitely going to keep my eye on yeah. those teams for sure. Everybody yeah. I, and I mean, if Porter Moser, I mean, he, he was a, he was a, a trendy pick for a power five head coaching job after the 2018 run. And he's certainly going to be this year. And, 
And one thing I'll just, I know you want to transition, but last thing I got on, on Michigan and Jawan Howard is, you know, you look at those fab five teams and as good as they were and as fun as they were to watch, you know, they never quite got the job done in the NCAA tournament, you know, a couple of final four runs, but there were always those, you know, it's Chris Weber calling a timeout when he doesn't have any, uh, you know, they never quite were able to, to finish the job. And so I think that's really motivated. I think, I think that's something that Juwan Howard, that kind of motivation, I think he's really channeling that into his team right now. You know, this is, this is the year that, that Michigan gets the job done. And even, even since, you know, if you look at the John Beeline era, there were two national runner-up seasons in the, in the last 10 years. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe this is the year that Michigan actually finishes the deal. That would be a heck of a story. If that, if that happens, mm, mm. oh, that's going to be a heck Man. of a story. I will call Michigan myself and say, y'all need the latest pair <laughs> of J's with the M on it. And I need one Howard signature on that bad boy because man, that's gonna be nasty. That's gonna be nasty. Well, at the very least, I want to see I want to see an article about that from you if uh, Michigan makes a run makes a run like that. That story like writes itself, you know. Oh yeah, well that's a given. That's a given, and I would and I would definitely do that for sure. Um, everybody listening right now, you're listening to Chris Bosters. Um, Chris, I want to transition to a topic that's very dear to to me when it comes to college sports as a whole, especially in what's going on right now in March Madness. Um, the unfortunate circumstance of disparities of equality, when you talk about um, how men's teams are being treated and taken care of throughout the tournament compared to, women, to, the, to the women's teams. Uh, when, the, when the report came out about how the women's weight room and the food choices and, and even some of their hotel accommodations were such a despair compared to the men's, um, it's really disgusting to, to, to see and, and witness and to listen, um, because especially when you're talking about the realm of sports, because NCAA has already had, issue, had issues with athletes as well, right? You talk about the fact that the whole debate of paying athletes and utilizing their name and not allowing athletes to get compensated for their true worth is all, that's already a huge discussion as a whole. And not to mention their recent scuffle with, with agents and, top tier age, especially minority agents that's really working with the top tier athlete, college athletes and how they didn't want them to be a part of what's going on in the college ranks, AKA Rich Paul. But now you're talking about another issue of, equal, of, of equality when you talk about women athletes and how they're treated compared to men's athletes. It's like the real cult, the true cults of the NCAA continue to be exposed. And yeah. it's so unfortunate because for, for situations just like this, you talk about March Madness and college basketball, what it brings to fans and what it brings to us as media, what it brings to us when it comes to college, you know, uh, you know, reporting and watching games and things of that sort. But at the same time, knowing in the back of your mind, the fact that the women's had literally five dumbbells to lift weights compared to a whole fitness center for the men, or the fact that women's food choice is just a small, a, 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 a very small entree when the men get a full buffet. You know, the, the women are putting in the same effort, the same time, the same blood, sweat, and tears that they do for their, for their program, just like the men's do. So there should not be no disparities, especially when you talk about, you know, whether, you, whether people agree with it or not. Yes, we know men's basketball brings in more revenue than women, but women still bring in bread too. They still bring in success and add to the, and not just bring in success to their programs, 
but add to the to the college basketball storyline. You can't talk history without women's women's basketball, and the fact that they're being they're, they're being mistreated as such, you know, that really irks me, um, and it's really disappointing that the NCAA continues to go through these injustice, uh, in social injustice and racial inequality issues. Um, I want you to har- I want you to harp on some of that as someone that's cut co- that's covered college sports and sees you know, men's and women's sports, especially men's and women's basketball. And what was it like? And, when, and, and knowing that, how does that personally affect you from not just as, you know, the broadcaster and the play-by-play announcer, but just you as an individual, knowing that these unfortunate circumstances are taking place? It, it's really been eye-opening. And among the, the litany of sports that I cover, you know, I, we, we've talked about Big Ten basketball, Conference USA basketball. Well, when I was doing the Conference USA tournament, I was doing I was doing the women's bracket as well as the men's. And and during the the regular season, this most recent season, I was doing Big Ten women's basketball in addition to men's. So I work with a lot of former women's basketball players, coaches, and, and current analysts. And so when the when that video by um, by Sedona Prince, the the Oregon women's basketball player dropped on TikTok, funny enough. Um, you know, I, I was texting some, some women that I know in women's basketball and just asking for their perspective, like, Hey, you know, is this, is this really how it is? And, you know, unfortunately, like they kind of chuckled and said, you know, like, look, we're glad that, that this has sparked some, some outrage and a conversation and a discussion, but look like, you know, this is nothing new to us. So I think, I think the people in in particular, the women who basketball has been part of their lives on, on the women's side, um, in a very intimate way. I don't think, I don't think, you know, a video like that, I don't don't think it came as any surprise to anybody, unfortunately. And I think that's the real shame in all of this. And, you know, just, um, as I kind of probed and asked some follow-up questions and things like that, you know, some, some, a lot of typical, responses that I heard well you know it's like when it comes to gear and and getting swagged out well the the men get so much more than the women do you know if the the women get you know a a, a sweatsuit and um you know a backpack then you know the men are going to get you know two sweatshirts and a pair of shoes and and you know a lot a lot more gear and things like that and um I was talking to I was talking to one former women's basketball player in particular who said that when she was playing and this is this is a division one school uh, a power five school you know not not a school that is uh that is light in in resources or anything like that but when she was playing there was a smoothie bar uh in in the in the team kitchen or the team practice facility or something like that and the the smoothies were only for the men's team and and <laughs> like they, the smoothies were, were custom, custom made for the men. And if the women wanted smoothies, they basically had to wait until there were leftovers. And, you know, so it's just like, it's just the little things like that, that really kind of make you go, Oh man, you know, that, that just sucks. Cause that's not right. And um, you know, I, I know what you said about how, you know, obviously the men's basketball brings in more revenue, football brings in more revenue than anything else. But um yeah, it, it just when it comes to something like like getting a smoothie, I mean, there should be there should be equality there. You know, it 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 shouldn't be it shouldn't be segregated like that or or at all, obviously. But um, 
so that was, you know, for me, that was like really difficult to confront. And, and again, it, uh, it just opens up the whole can of worms about the other issues that go on in NCAA. You know, you touched on them with, with the current battle for name, image, and likeness, which I think is, is really going to upset the apple cart quite a bit in, in the, the future of college athletics. And then another issue that, that we discuss a lot that I had a lot of conversations about with my broadcast partners is the, is the lack of representation in, in head coaching ranks by people of color. And funny enough, I, I think women's basketball is actually like where you're starting to see uh, you know, that that's where the pioneers are in terms of breaking down barriers like that. You know, I've been watching the women's basketball tournament a lot and, and in the sec championship game on the women's side too, black women's coaches coaching against each other in the sec tournament championship game for the first time ever. And so hopefully, you know, there, there's kind of like a, I guess a, a reverse osmosis effect, you know, we're watching some of these more progressive changes take place in, in, in women's basketball and in women's sports. And hopefully it, it trickles up to, to men's sports as well. Uh, some of, some of, I think the positive changes that we're, that we're seeing there. So, um, you know, it, it, it's tough. And, and I think that, you know, maybe the best thing that's happening right now is, is that there is a conversation that's happening. And, and you've got Mark Emmert, the NCAA president, saying, okay, you know, we're, we're going to have some hard discussions, some serious discussions about this and really analyze why there are these inequities in how women's basketball and, and men's basketball players are treated. And so I think you know, social media um, is a double-edged sword, but I think in this case, you're really seeing the power of, of social media and a, and a platform like this where you can expose an issue like this um, wholeheartedly and, and almost overnight have people talking about it and, and demanding that something different happens. And, um, you know, so I, I, think, I, I think that's maybe the, the silver lining from all of this is that we're, we're just like, everybody can see what's going on without a filter. And, and you can see what's actually going on. You don't have, you know, nobody's giving you a spin on it or, or a, a bias or, you know, not, you know, no manipulation really in how you're seeing this information. So I think maybe that's the best thing to come from this. And, and um, you know, hopefully, hopefully that's, that's, it's just the next big event that, that keeps us going in the right direction here in, in terms of, um, you know, le leveling the playing field and, and making this uh, just a, a better a better environment for everybody. Yeah, man, I, I hope change definitely comes soon with those yeah. things. Because when you it, women are pioneers too, uh, we yeah. saw that even in the pandemic. When you talk about the professional leagues with the WNBA and the role that they play, you know, and and getting the Georgia senator elected or in their protests and. Um, in support for you know the Breonna Taylor movement and even getting their own even getting a team owner out of the ownership to put in someone that used to play for that own team to represent that team so WNBA has always been trailblazers um, women in general have been always been trailblazers when it comes to you know equality especially in sports um, you talk we talk about how or before the show we talked about Candace Parker you know, she played a yeah. role in all of that as well, right? And she and and see and you see her um, pioneership and being a true uh, multifaceted um, individual that just 
let's take it things to another level with her platform. And a lot of women have been, especially some recent, willing to do that. Um, I hope that, you know, as men, we continue to take on that mantle and support women and in, in the things that they're doing and, and women's sports in general. Because women, because women, like I mentioned, like I said earlier, women's sports, they put in the same hard work, same work ethic, blood, sweat, and tears, just like the men do. Um, and especially me talking, and, and, that's, and that's the biggest thing. You, you should be able to support, support sports, especially sports that women can play too. So we should be able to support those things. And this is, like I said, this is the beginning of it for especially from this specific demographic, but I hope more change comes out of this. Yeah, it, you know, amen to that. And, uh, you know, I, I would just encourage people, like, if you're interested, I mean, flip on the women's basketball tournament, you know, like check out, like there, there's some ballers, you know, <laughs> like it, there's some, there's some really good players, some really good storylines. And, you know, you're watching some, some players that are going to be suiting up for, for team USA someday in the Olympics, uh, you know, have, have long and successful careers in, in professional women's basketball, whether it be the WNBA or overseas, um, you know, and certainly a plug for the WNBA. I hope that as the discrepancy in, in pay, also hopefully continues to level out. I mean, hopefully that will entice and encourage more players to stay in the United States as opposed to going abroad where right now they can make more money. But um, yeah, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I, I found myself really getting into the women's tournament this year and the men's tournament. And, you know, I don't think it's gotta be a, um, a polarizing world where, you know, you're a fan, you're a fan of one and not the other. And, and I think, that's one thing that I've maybe started to notice a little more over the last couple of years is that, you know, before you would see, okay, you're either a fan of women's basketball or you're a fan of men's basketball. You don't really know what's going on in the other camp. And I'm starting to see more of a crossover there. I think more people are, are paying attention to what's going on across the entire panorama of, of basketball and not just siloing themselves into, you know, men's basketball and, not paying attention to women's basketball, for instance. So, um, I, you know, I, speaking from experience, it's a lot of fun to cover. Um, I love the coaches. I love the players. I love the people that I work with every bit as much as I, as I love covering men's basketball. And um, yeah, you know, you mentioned it being kind of like a, um, a pioneering sport for, for changes across sports. I mean, not just, not just the basketball world. I, I think that, uh, you know, women's sports can, can really, uh, it can really impact us as a society in a very positive way. Yeah, most definitely. You talked about how you, you know, you cover women's come cover women's sports. I've been blessed to cover women's sports. And yeah, it's fun. It's actually it's really a lot of fun to see to see the, there's, there's a lot of talent that, that that's diverse, especially talk about professionally in the women's ranks. Um, I'm hoping to cover the Chicago Sky again, especially now you got Candace Parker Day and came home, six the six three oh native and came home. So I wanna course cover her um but you know just got if really invest if you actually take the time to really invest in women's sports you actually realize how fun and how pretty much cool going to games are covering games are knowing and getting being able to interact with the players how how cool it is to actually be around those because they're just because at the end of the day they're humans just like everybody else they're all humans and they all go through things and you know, it's our job to support each other. And, and obviously I support it. I know you support them, Chris, and, and it shows in the work that we do, but everyone listening. Let's, yeah. Let's and, and, uh, 
Sorry, I know. I know one thing that you said also that 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 stuck in my mind. You know, you mentioned like the blood, sweat, and tears that that women invest in in perfecting their game and, and perfecting their craft every, every bit as much as the men do. And, and for me, that's really what is, is contagious about watching any sport, regardless of of who's playing. You know, men, women, or, or whatever. Um, you know, you watch, you watch women's sports and that's one of the first things you realize that they are every bit as passionate and care every bit as much about competing as, as men do. And, and to me, that's, that's what, that's why I want to watch sports in general. It, it, it's the, it's the competition and it's the, it's the desire and the drive, you know, kind of like, you know, call it that Mamba mentality or whatever you want to, however you want to label it. Um, but that that's there on, on the women's side, like every bit as much as it is on the men's. So, um, you know, you can get into like differences in the sport and differences in scheme and philosophy and, and physiology or whatever you want. But at the end of the day, that, that to me is, is the, is the great equalizer between, between men's and women's sports. They want it just as bad as the men do. And, and that's why I like watching because I can get into a game no matter what the, no matter who's playing or no matter what level it is, if, if I see people who are proud of what they do and, and who care about doing it the right way. And, and that's what I see when I, when I tune into a, a women's basketball game in this case. And that's why I think it's really, it's really fun to watch. I mean, trust me, like if you're a little tepid about, you know, flipping on the, the, the tournament or something like that, just give it, just give it a few minutes and like, you'll, you'll get hooked. I mean, there's, it, it's fun. Yep. Most definitely. And, uh, and, and the crazy part, that's another barrier per se that people have been trying to go against women's basketball in is that uh, they need to lower the rims. FYI, women are dunking now, too. Yeah, <laughs> they're women dunking. dunking and, and I mean, too. like, it's not. Yeah, w- women, women are dunking, but also like I, I think that's a I think that's a bad argument because, you know, it just again, it just implies that, oh, the game would be worth watching if women could dunk. And there, there are a lot of things that are fun to watch about women's basketball beyond slam dunks. I mean, there, there, like, there's a lot more to the NBA than, than just slam dunks. I mean, yes. Like part of the reason why I watch the NBA is for the, you know, that truly transcendent athleticism. I mean, like there, you know, like people like LeBron James and, Giannis Antetokounmpo, I mean, obviously they don't grow on trees. I mean, they are truly one of a kind individuals, but, um, you know, on the women's side, like they, like, there's a lot of skill in that game, even if they can't windmill dunk there, there's a, there's a lot more depth to the game than just that. And, and you see that on display when, when women play. And, and again, the, the competitive desire to win is there every bit as much. Yeah, Chris, um, when you – obviously, you just came back from covering Conference USA. You know, you, you, you're, you're, you're in the covering game still. What's, what's your next steps? What you, got, what you got going on for people to, you know, to tune into um, coming up in your, you know, your busy, illustrious, voice-commanding career? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, bro. I appreciate, I appreciate the comment. If you need me to tone it down, by the way, you know, you just let me know. Like, sometimes I kind of get into, like, announcer mode or something like that. So. <laughs> That's why you on, man. That's what you do. That's why I got you on. <laughs> uh, but real talk, no, I mean, I guess for the for the short term, spring sports are are up and running on the Big Ten Network. That's that's where uh, the majority of my work is is coming from right now. So if you got 
either uh, you know a cable subscription and you've got the Big Ten Network and your cable package, or you've got the the Fox Sports app on your smart TV. Uh, check it out. That's that's usually where I'm at. Um, it's funny with COVID, um, with where COVID was in the fall, it ended up pushing a lot of college sports seasons back. So you look at a sport like college soccer or college volleyball. Um, those sports are typically played in the fall, but they're actually having their seasons now in the spring because of COVID. So I'm actually really busy doing some what they call Olympic sports like that, soccer and volleyball, now that the basketball season is just about over. Um, and so that'll that'll carry me, you know, college baseball and softball are going to be starting up again soon on, on network television. So keep an eye out for that. And, you know, um, like, you know, one of the first areas we connected or one of the first events we connected in was doing TBT, the basketball tournament, which all systems go so far as, as far as TBT 2021 is concerned. So I'm really already fired up to cover that tournament again in July. And uh, one thing that I'm actually really excited about uh, on a personal note is getting the chance to cover the, the uh, Summer Olympic Games coming up um, on NBC. So I will not be going to Tokyo, which is where they're being held. I'll be at NBC Sports's headquarters in Stamford, Connecticut, which is not far from New York City. And I'll be doing some of like the daytime events that you see on like CNBC or something like that when you're flipping through and like, oh yeah, fencing is on or, you know, like a like an archery or a shooting event, you know, Taekwondo, something like that. I'll, I'll be helping out on some of some of those events, which I'm really looking forward to um, just having the chance to work a summer Olympics. So um, I guess looking long-term though, you know, I would love to get into pro sports at some point, as much as I love college sports, I would love the chance to be the voice of an NBA team or a, a major league baseball team, something like that. Uh, would love to call an NFL game someday. So definitely still, uh, still dreaming big, but also loving where I'm at and, and enjoying the process and, just the the day-to-day -day grind and love being in Chicago. So life's good. Yeah, man. You definitely got a busy schedule. I'm happy for you. Continue to do all the great work that you're doing, especially with the Summer Olympics. You know, I, I'm starting to slowly but surely as I get older, maybe slowly turn into an early head. So if I become <laughs> an early head, I'll be able to watch some of you do some of this work on the early morning, on the early morning events. So I'll be looking forward to that for sure. And I'm also going to be looking forward to possibly seeing you at TBT. Because um, that's what I'm trying to, I'm definitely going to try and get back into that as well. Um, especially with TBT, because you know, we talk about TBT all the time. TBT is so fun to watch. So fun to, to be around. And it's really going, it's really blowing up in, in ways that we, even when we uh, talked about a couple of years ago, how we knew like this could really be the next big thing for basketball. So for it to be, for it to blow up the way that it is, I can't wait to, you know, get back into that. And see you around, and see you around, you know, around the block when it comes to all that. Um, but obviously, I'm, like I said, I'm happy for you. I'll be continuing to check out your work and, and all the things you're doing. Keep up the great work. Um, for the audience is concerned, where can they find you uh, on social media so they continue to follow your work? I, uh, yeah, thank you. I, uh, I appreciate you letting me uh, get a plug in on social media like that. So um, I am at CJ Vosters. That's CJ V O S T E R S. And you can find me right now on Twitter and Instagram. I got to say like, I think at some point this year, I'm going to get into TikTok. 
Um, you know, it's kind of like, I'm kind of starting to like wrap my mind around it a little bit and think, you know, maybe it would just be like a fun thing to mess around with. So, um, that's kind of on my 2021 to do list, like to get into the TikTok sphere at some point. So, um, I don't think I'm too old for that yet, <laughs> but, uh, I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely be, be, um, you know, out and about social media wise for sure. So yeah, would appreciate, would appreciate follows and, and likes and things like that. But, um, you know, just right back at you, you know, with, with the stuff that you're doing too. And, and the hustle that you're on, I mean, working on a master's degree at DePaul and, and doing all the, the side hustle that you've got going on. That's, that's not easy, especially in the extenuating circumstances that we're in right now related to this pandemic. So, um, you know, you haven't really like gotten knocked off your horse at all. And, and it's, uh, you know, it's, that's easier said than done with the last, the way the last 12 months have gone. So um, I'll keep you posted on my Olympic schedule for sure. But uh, you know, especially as things open up, I mean, we're, we're obviously overdue for a, for a beer or something like that at this point. So uh, looking forward to making that happen soon too. Most definitely, man. I really appreciate that. You know, we got, you know, we're going to have to make that happen, especially if you're talking about maybe trying to go over to the North side, dealing with these, uh, dealing with Wrigleyville. <laughs> For a cup, for a Cubs, maybe a Cubs Sox game or something. You know, we got to check that out. Everybody. Okay. okay. Yeah. You're talking my language now. Yes. <laughs> for sure. Everybody listening right now, you can follow me on social media at Josh M. Hicks Media on Instagram and Twitter for all the latest work, including We Are Regal Radio and follow We Are Regal Radio, um, regalradio.com, War Media on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. A war on Anchor through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it. We're all over the place. We all we we're, uh, we had a lot of great content coming up, especially now that, you know, currently right now I have the Bulls game on, barely hanging on with Cleveland and this trade deadline, mm, right? So we'll see, <laughs> so we'll see how, how things go with that. But Chris, my man, thank you so much for coming on my show. I really appreciate it. Keep doing the great stuff that you're doing. And obviously I'll be continuing to pay attention and of course, thank you for your insight because you're like always, your insight is always keen. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you very much. And, and uh, just for what it's worth, I got the Bucks game on right now. So <laughs> my guy Giannis uh, torching the Celtics right now. So three-time MVP, you know what's good. Um, you know, don't want to don't want to start any controversy there or anything <laughs> like that. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, I, I seriously, I appreciate you. I love coming on. I love, love talking shop with you, uh, sports and kind of the outside the line stuff too. So yeah, looking forward to uh, making this happen again. Most definitely, man. You have a good rest of your evening. All right, bro. We'll be in touch. Be good to be healthy. Yes, sir. You too.